the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. My co-host Larry Dershim and I have a great show for you. I know I say that every week and it's true every week. There are so many fascinating stories to break down. And as we always say in the intro, we try to find stories that actually do have a silver lining. But both being lawyers, we really like to start with fascinating new laws and new procedures and new policies, which might lead to laws, to lawsuits, or at least to good legal discussion. And today is no exception to that rule. So one of the companies we've become very familiar with throughout the course of the pandemic has been Amazon. Why? Larry, why do you think people are so familiar with Amazon now after spending a year at home? Before uh, I launch into the story. Right, because it's the largest uh, e-commerce retailer in the world. And uh, we ah. haven't been going to the store often. We're getting our deliveries. Okay, so one of the reasons that people know a lot about Amazon right about now, now that we're just getting ready to all go back out, is exactly that. Is It's one of those stores that business boomed over the course of the last year because they were able to deliver things right to the store. Now, obviously that also meant more jobs and that was of interest to many people that were putting in job applications who God forbid had been fired or furloughed from their brick and mortar jobs. But sometimes there were still impediments and that was especially true with job seekers that lived, lived in states where things like marijuana was legal. Well, Amazon made a big announcement last week they basically said that they would stop testing job seekers for marijuana. Now, this was very important and of interest to many people that wanted to work there because this company is the second largest private employer in the U.S., second only to Walmart. And they were making the change basically because new states they were moving into were legalizing cannabis or introducing laws banning employers from testing for it. Now, Larry, there is one thing I have to say about this headline that I'd really like to uh, to set straight. I have seen so many headlines on this looking like Amazon is just rolling out the green carpet, going all in with its support of marijuana. That does not mean, however, that they are going to be espousing this view of high noon at the office, pot brownies at the potluck. That is not what Amazon is saying. There is no work while high mandate or invitation from Amazon. They were just basically saying, look, if you apply for a job with us, we're not going to ask you about marijuana and we're not going to test you for marijuana. However, if you are going to drive 
for Amazon. Amazon will still screen for marijuana job candidates who are applying for positions that are regulated by the Department of Transportation, which is a category that, of course, includes delivery truck drivers and operators of heavy machinery. So uh, let's just dispel the notion that all of the sudden you can smoke while you're working at Amazon. You can't be high working in any workplace. But that is uh, part of, I think, some of the, the misunderstanding, misperception, or maybe not. Maybe people are just recognizing that, look, Amazon is uh, really sort of showcasing that they are behind not just not testing job seekers because obviously, you know, that they can't smoke at the office and they want to make sure that they are not discriminating if they're in a state where marijuana is legal. But they also have been very vocal about getting behind some new legislation seeking to not only change marijuana laws, but also do things like expunge prior convictions if it was just for possession of pot. Yeah, I, I worry still a little bit about the marijuana uh, approval. It's still illegal, as I understand, under federal law. It's classified as a yes, Schedule One tr- uh, drug under the Controlled Substances Act, along with heroin. Now, I'm not saying it's equivalent to heroin at all, but according to the National Safety Council, Wendy, the THC, C in marijuana, which is the part that makes people high, affects their depth perception, their reaction time, their coordination, and their motor skills. And according to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, uh, employees that tested positive for marijuana had a 55% more industrial accidents, 85% more injuries, and 75% greater absenteeism compared to those who weren't uh, that tested negative. So I'm still a little bit skeptical of being so approving of this. Uh, I know it's the trend, uh, but it's concerning to me. Absolutely, as it should be. And uh, everything that you bring up is one of the arguments that uh, many employers are looking at in terms of if we on job applications, remember that's what Amazon is talking about, if we on job applications don't ask about it, don't test for it, are we setting ourselves up legally for somebody having an accident at work, God forbid, injuring themselves, somebody else. You know, um, obviously you do need to be tested if you're gonna be operating a vehicle or heavy machinery, but what if you're not? You know, part of the statistics that you just cited have to do with exactly that. If your motor coordination is off, if your depth perception is off, if you're going to have more sick days. And you know what we're talking about, Larry, we're talking about the difference between use and abuse, because you could also make an argument that people that are alcoholics would have a tough time in certain professions because they would be coming in late. They would have absenteeism. And we recognize that as a disability and as a disease. Uh, We recognize drug addiction in much the same way. So it's interesting as more companies like Amazon recognize that they have to walk that fine line between acknowledging that they're expanding into states that have legalized marijuana, both medicinally and recreationally, but also remaining very aware of the problems potentially that smoking pot can have on the job. That's right. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. So we'll see how it all turns out. But I just worry about the trend that things like trending towards more usage for recreational purposes. And I just I want to make sure I get the right thing in my delivery from Amazon. You know, I, I want them to be totally focused. I don't want <laughs> to send it back up already, isn't it? Yeah, That's it's tough. up already. Well, speaking of seeing the right thing, you know, we are getting ready to uh, celebrate graduations here and yearbooks have come out and 
I don't know if you remember your yearbook, Larry. Uh, you probably still have it somewhere with all the different signatures and great year. Remember that? We used to have people sign our yearbooks. Oh my gosh, we're totally dating. Absolutely. Ourselves. I'm sure they do it digitally nowadays. But speaking of digital, uh, at least one high school has really caused some controversy by digitally altering 80 girls' photographs in the yearbook. How do they alter them? They put more clothing on them digitally because they didn't believe that the photos were appropriate. They thought that the girls were showing too much skin. So this digital alteration really has come under fire because there are some parents, now you would think parents wouldn't be opposed to this, but many parents were and said, look, my, my daughter wasn't showing that much skin to begin with and you gave her sleeves, you gave her a high neckline, you changed her photograph in order to cover her up. Now the school's of course fighting back and explaining, look, it was either that or we didn't show the pictures. Is this also a trend? Talk about a sign of the times, Larry. Are we seeing more of this? Well, I yeah, with the photoshopping, it worried the first thing I thought of when I saw that is they can do so much with Photoshop. Could they put a person in the scene of a crime that wasn't actually at that scene? It's it's frightening what they can do with Photoshop. I thought to me, uh, it was not much of an alteration. Funny that you should go there. <laughs> really? <laughs> what if my photo shows up in a crime scene from a photo in a yearbook? <laughs> well, it's, it's amazing they can, what they can do with it. But I, I, I believe in dress codes. And I, I think if, if they, they should have notified these ladies ahead of time, we've got this dress code and make sure you comply with it. It should never have happened. I know I heard they're giving a refund, but I'm not sure a refund will be good enough because a yearbook is a yearbook and you're never going to be able to redo it. You know, when you look at the before and after photos of Larry, you weren't looking at plunge necklines or, or uh, you know, um, you weren't looking at the kind of photos you thought you'd be seeing to have justified uh, these photoshops. And, and by the way, these are girls. These are not, you know, young adults, 17, 18 year olds. These are girls and they're dressed like girls. They're wearing, you know, frilly little sleeves and things, yet they were still covered up. And so that really draws, I mean, that's a social discussion, you know, maybe we'll kick over for another episode, but where do you draw the line between where a school decides if you can have a shoulder exposed? Um, now I know it's funny we're talking about this because many parents would say, we absolutely enforce a dress code, but some parents are saying, look, if the parents don't, Maybe the school should. Anyway, we'll save that for another day because, Larry, I understand that there's a couple other things you're looking at today as well. Right. I call this, uh, is America at a tipping point? And this is, uh, first, this commentary is totally my thoughts and, and thoughts from other people, but it doesn't necessarily reflect the views of, of uh, my co-host nor the station. There has never been a time in our history such as this where in just 10 months, basically from April to January of 2021, America went through uh, from the pinnacle of power and success and freedom to a state of crippling fear, debilitating confusion, and loss of liberty and freedom. It's as though we were invaded by a foreign army. We've surrendered. We've given up. At the first hint, our smell of battle, we folded, we failed and we did not discern the times and the seasons which we live in, which is our nation was gasping for air. And America is no more as we know it. And let me explain why. The initial 
disproportionate D.C. troop presence served multiple purposes. One, the desired appearance of a military police state designed to induce fear into a resisting populace. And two, to display the administrative no-nonsense willingness to use military power against its citizens. And now they're retaining those troops in D.C. And I think it's to send a message to us. We're having... uh, Questions. If you question anything about election integrity, you can be banned from Facebook and Twitter and so forth. And everybody looks down on that. But yet our elections are the most important thing that we have. And I really think that we are being transformed. And this is part of this transformation uh, where they're basically viewing our Constitution as a living Constitution, what that really means is that they can uh, bend it, they can change it at will, instead of going through the uh, amendment process. And basically, they're turning us into a transformed, uh, compliant member of the global estate, in my opinion. Yeah, no, you know what, Larry, um, we're going to follow up on some of what you're saying. Um, Very important commentary. We're going to, it actually cues up some of what we're going to be talking about in the second half. So don't touch that dial, folks. We're going to take a short commercial break. Stick around. We have Jenna Ellis, famous, famous lawyer who agrees with some of what Larry was just talking about. So she is going to talk a little bit about how um, her journey has gone from wanting to be a lawyer in high school to being a senior legal advisor and attorney for President Donald Trump. You don't want to miss this, folks. We'll be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. All right, we have an enormous treat for you this second half. We have a young lady, and I say young, she looks like she's about 16 years old, but it is incredible what she has managed to accomplish in her young life. She has gone from somebody that dreamt about being a lawyer back in the day to prominence that you will not believe. Larry, I don't want to steal your thunder, so who do we have on the line with us today? Right. It's such an honor to introduce her. It's Jenna Ellis, and she is a senior legal advisor an uh, attorney to President Donald Trump. She's also a constitutional law expert and author of a great book uh, that I'm currently reading called The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution, A Guide for Christians to Understanding America's Constitutional Crisis. Welcome to the program, Jenna. Thank you so much, Larry and Wendy. It's great to join you today. So, Jenna, we know a little bit about your background, at least that that's been public. And I understand you were homeschooled by parents, um, which I think is a blessing. And one thing that caught my attention, I'm sure it caught Larry's too, because we're both lawyers as well, is at age 14, you knew you wanted to be a lawyer. My goodness, most of us didn't even understand what lawyers did by age 14. But I know that you went on to to really follow your dream by earning your degree from the University of Richmond School of Law. And I, I am a prosecutor now, and I understand you were a prosecutor in Weld County, Colorado. So I would like to know, how did you transition from that background to becoming the personal attorney for President Trump? Yeah, well, you know, every step of the way, it has truly been uh, the grace of God and for him opening doors. Uh, my life verse is Isaiah 6, 8, which is, 
of course, when um, Isaiah has a vision of God and says, you know, and God is saying, whom shall I send who will go for us? And he says, here I am, Lord, send me. And that has been my favorite uh, from a very young age, just saying, Lord, send me uh, to the work that you have for me. And I thought uh, from a very young age that would be um, being a career prosecutor. And um, I did have the opportunity to be a prosecutor in Weld County. Um, I saw... Uh, the unfortunate uh, politics that really surround uh, that particular job description. Of course, that's true all over the country, not just in Weld. And I, um, through an ethical conflict with that office, um, I ended up transitioning to be a criminal defense attorney, which gave me an opportunity to also pursue one of my passions, which had always been constitutional law. And um, so I ended up becoming an allied attorney with the Alliance Defending Freedom. I taught constitutional law. Um, I practiced in constitutional law. I also wrote the book that Larry mentioned. And through that, um, actually the book, I ended up um, being able to use my undergrad degree, which is in journalism, to do a lot more media and to um, educate very sincere uh, Christians and conservatives all across the country on the principles of liberty and justice for all that our founders so passionately advocated for uh, back at the founding of our country. And through um, just the media opportunities, I was able to then uh, be on the president's advisory board, which is just one of the top-level surrogates, um, to talk about constitutional law, talk about uh, the legal issues, of course, surrounding uh, his first couple of years in office, the, um, the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings, that whole drama we all went through. And um, through that, the president actually saw me uh, advocate for him uh, on television and other media. And so uh, one day, just completely out of the blue, I got a call from a TOT2 number. Uh, we all recognize that, of course, being in D.C. I let it go to voicemail because I thought, hey, this is a spam call. And uh, lo and behold, it was, hello, Ms. Ellis, this is the White House operator. The president's reaching out to you. Please give us a call back. And I thought, no, that's totally not for me. But um, just in case, let me call back. And it was the president, and we spent an hour on the phone. He invited me to the White House, and a week later, I walked into the Oval Office, and he said, Jenna, I think you're a brilliant lawyer, and you work for me now. And I said, okay, God, here I go. And uh, it was wow. a very style and completely God opening a door, and uh, I've just been so privileged to, uh, to know this president and uh, to love and support everything that he advocates for uh, since then. That was a couple years ago. Wow. Hey, Janet, being very much involved in the 2020 presidential election and seeing what can happen when a state election rules are changed at the last minute and often not followed at all. Do you see uh, any challenges uh, to our election integrity with this uh, so-called for uh, the People Act, H.R. 1, and now it's S. 1, if it becomes law? absolutely. That's completely horrendous because what uh, H.R. 1, S. 1 wants to do is federalize elections. And our Constitution, of course, uh, has that province to the states and the state legislatures. And so even when we look at presidential elections, as I, along with uh, Rudy Giuliani, went to uh, those states, the swing states, uh, in the aftermath of the 2020 election, it shocked us to learn that even the state legislatures didn't understand the role that they play in the Electoral College. And so um, H1 or HR1 and S1 um, is completely unconstitutional and it's trying to give corrupt Washington politicians even more power. So we have to push back against that. We also have to make sure to go to the states and to advocate for genuinely constitutionally viable 
election security measures, which include transparency, it includes signature matching, voter ID, making sure that state legislatures don't delegate their responsibility and authority to these executive uh, branch officials and these administrators that prove that they just completely disregarded the law. So we have a lot of work to do with the election integrity. Uh, that's why I'm also the chairwoman now of the Election Integrity Alliance. You can find that at AmericanGreatnessFund.com, and we're supporting election integrity efforts both legislatively and with litigation. You know, it sounds like a lot of what you do is in pursuit of transparency, and that's sort of the name of your show, Just the Truth with Jenna Ellis, which I'm going to ask you about in a minute. Um, but one of the things that really, first of all, that story about the president calling you is like something out of a movie, isn't it? Where <laughs> you know, I've, I've seen so many movies that have that plot, but for you, it actually happened. That is just great. But one of the other things that I've always noticed about you and your commentary on television is you always come across with the light of, of Christ. I mean, you're never bitter. You're never argumentative. You just say it like it is. You espouse what your beliefs are. And you know, it's it, you're kind of like the guest that the other side ends up liking, even though they have a totally contrary opinion. And I was wondering, I've seen a few of your episodes um, on the news, in, and I was wondering your your show, Just the Truth with Jenna Ellis, do you invite on anybody that is um, has a contrary opinion? I'm guessing the answer is going to be yes. And what do you what do you like to say that the the main um, sort of theme is behind some of the commentary that you you showcase on that show, given the title? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, of course, you know, I invite all types of guests. And the uh, the the main premise of this show is not just to do uh, you know the typical talk news headlines. It's to really get to uh, the worldview aspect because um, what I've learned and what has always given me a very firm based in the truth is the Word of God, and we know that the Christian worldview is the best explanation for the reality to which we're presented, yes. and our Constitution is designed based on and grounded in the truth of the Word of God, and so as we look at politics as Christians and conservatives, we can't look at it in an isolated view. We can't just have a kind of this buffet style of what our political opinions are. We always have to bring it back to a holistic perspective of genuinely conserving truth, and that's the root word of conservatism. So I do a deep dive interview um, most of the time with um, just one guest or one guest panel for the majority of the show so that we can talk um, kind of like how we're doing here. I mean, almost like a radio format to television to really have um, the deep dive conversations and the things that I think um, Americans are really hungry for, which is to get back to the truth and the word of God. And of course, you know, I invite all types of guests on. Um, and my goal with this is the goal that I've uh, done with everything else in my life, which is uh, solely to do this for the glory of God and to continue to shine the light of truth. And um, I'm really grateful that that shows um, in the work that I do because, you know, like everyone else, my life has had highs and lows and, um, you know, ups and downs, but ultimately everything we need to do is for the glory of God. And I have joy in the Lord because God is always Amen. faithful. Always Amen. In your book, Jenna, The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution, you make the case that if the federal government uh, overreach becomes too heavy, there's an escape clause, so to speak, in Article 5 of the Constitution for a convention of states. Uh, how is that going? Are you, I think, do you still advocate for that? Is it a good idea that we proceed with that? Absolutely. And I'm still a very strong advocate for the Convention of States project. There are a lot of different uh, different ideas of how to utilize Article 5, which is simply um, the different way of 
in the Constitution, uh, rather than through Congress being ratified by the states, the states can call a convention of delegates and they can propose amendments to the Constitution that then have to be ratified by the states. That's definitely a good idea. The Convention of States Project, led by my friend Mark Meckler, wants to do that in three different areas, which is balanced budget, uh, to make sure that we have um, term limits on Congress and also for judicial reform. And that's something that I think conservatives absolutely can get behind. That's great. I think we need about yeah, you know, 34 states to do that, and we're up to about 15 now or so that have signed up for that, or somewhere in there. Yeah, and the same petition, um, I think it's actually up to about 18 now, if I'm not mistaken, okay. but um, you can find it all at cosproject.com, and that will show you the map. Perfect. Wait, Jenna, what's the name of your book so everybody can buy it? We're almost at the end of the show, but I want to make sure we do a shout out. Thank you. It's called The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution, and you can buy that um, on Amazon, anywhere that books are sold. And um, and that's, yeah, like I said, that's, that was my effort to educate uh, people on the truth of how our Constitution is designed. It's the legal basis so, for a moral constitution. You know, I, I love that your, you know, your goals are so much aligned with Christianity and with doing the right thing and with the truth. And, you know, the best thing about it all is, your prayer is use me, God, and show me what you would want me to do. It's not based on some secret ideology or a grudge or anything like that. I mean, you can't go wrong when you pray for God's direction and then you listen to his voice. (laughs) And that seems to have characterized the the trajectory of your career. Oh, 100%. And, you know, the great thing is that if I had um, lived what I thought were my dreams, then I would have missed out on so much more that God had for me. And so my life lesson is always that he is faithful and God's sovereignty always prevails and we can trust him and his plans over our own. Just like what Proverbs said, a man's heart plans his way, but it's the Lord who establishes his steps. And so I look forward to what and God coming years and uh, I'll just keep going and proclaiming truth. Wonderful. Wow. And that, that is a wonderful way to end the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful, safe weekend to our listeners. We will see you next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy, Headlines with the Silver Lining. Have a great week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.